many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. Box. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. Welcome again to an episode of Out of the Box and today on Out of the Box we've got the co-director of Sydney Underground Film Festival. You might have heard him yesterday on Mornings talking about this year's festival offerings. It's Dr. Stefan Popescu and there's much more to him than his work with Sydney Underground Film Festival. He's also a director, artist, a writer, an ex-gang member, I guess, a, a film academic and a bogan property tycoon. Welcome, Stefan. Thanks for having me, Ash. So... It all sounds a bit motley, all of the things that you've done in your life, and I think that your playlist kind of reflects that a little bit. It's a bit all over the shop. Um, so you're a director as well, and I'm sure that you know you're, the way you come to music is different as a result of that. So can we talk a little bit about soundtracks just to start off the... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm, I mean, I consider myself a bit of a music retard um, uh, <laughs> just because, like, I yeah, I approach it in a very different way. But with films... Um, that's when I started gaining a an interest in um, very particular types of music and I guess emotive mu- music and I look for certain things like either voice or yeah so um but yeah every good film has to have a great soundtrack to it so. and and how does it work for you when you're actually putting together the soundtrack for the film does it come very early in the piece that you know exactly what it has to be or is a film finished and then you just have to soundtrack it how does it work for you um. For me, people work in very different ways. And for me, um, uh, it's always story-led, I guess. So um, so it all starts from the story. And then um, sometimes I have preconceptions of what I want. Um, but I try not to till I get a picture lock. And so I lock the picture and then I go through and just start listening um, to music. And, and I sort of, I guess, pay attention to how I react emotionally to it um, because then I can work out how my audience will react emotionally to it so it is um I guess there's I don't consider the the artist or any other thing apart from the music and I just see how I gel with that and then if I gel with it then I put it to the images and that usually changes each other's context okay so yeah so image does affect the music and music will affect the image so Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's yeah, just this and you backwards. think it's going to be great, and then sometimes it's like, that doesn't work as yeah, soon as they're together. Exactly, yeah. I see what you mean. So our first track for the day is from Pony Club Massacre. Great name for a band. And yeah. they're, they're from they're from up in Queensland, I think. So They're actually in Sydney. They're in Sydney. Yeah. Are they still in existence? Because I found them incredibly hard to track, and the only way I could find this song online was through MySpace. It's, so that's a measure. The This um, Pony Club Massacre was two girls, uh, Naomi, Randon, and I forgot the other girl's name but um Naomi's a friend of mine so um uh and she's been in a few different bands and I don't know if Pony Club Massacre exists anymore because mm-hmm. um, the other girl um went off and did soundtracks for really big films and stuff um, oh wow yeah so they actually had an interest in film this is a kind of crossover band yeah yeah um she's I think Naomi always has um and she's such a visual person and when I 
would give her my film, she knew exactly what I wanted. I, I wouldn't even have to say anything. It was like a shining thing happening. <laughs> she, she just knew. So That's what you want. Yeah. Well, let's take that track now. It's, uh, it's Pony Club Massacre on Out of the Box, FBI 94.5. And because it is in a MySpace, I'm slowly waiting for it to load because that was the only way we could play it. Um does MySpace still exist? MySpace still exists, but they've changed it and they've made it really weird. So you know how back in the day you'd put all this effort into like crafting the HTML and and trying to put like particular songs on your site and everything, and then they've kind of crunched it down to make this little impoverished version of its former self, and oh. <laughs> it's not that medium for expression. They're trying to copy Facebook, and then it's just silly. Anyway, this song is just not playing, and oh. I kind of <laughs> kind of feared this might happen. So what I might do is. How about we just move straight on and maybe we'll do a, re a retrospective play of that song in a bit. I, well, instead, I, I kind of reckon we have to take NWA, Fuck the Police, <laughs> and uh, actually talk about why you wanted to pick that song in a little bit. So we'll whack that on now on FBI 94.5. Right about now, NWA court is in full effect. Judge Dre resigning. In the case of NWA versus the police department, prosecuting attorneys are MC Brand, Ice Cube, and Easy Motherfucking E. Order, order, order. Ice Cube, take the motherfucking stand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help your black ass? You goddamn right. But won't you tell everybody what the fuck you gotta say? Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad because I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think. To kill a minority Fuck that shit cause I ain't the one For a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun To be beaten on If thrown in jail we can go toe to toe In the middle of a cell Fucking with me cause I'm a teenager With a little bit of gold and a pager Searching my car Looking for the product Thinking every nigga is selling narcotics You rather see me in the pen Than me and Lorenzo rolling in a benzo Be the police out of shape And when I finish Showing out for the white cop. Ice Cube will swarm on any motherfucker in a blue uniform. Just cause I'm from the CPT, punk police are afraid of me, huh? A young nigga on the warpath. And when I finish, it's gonna be a bloodbath of cops dying in LA. Yo, Dre, I got something to say. Fuck you, punk. Read my 
to start an episode of Out of the Box with a bit of NWA. Uh, so w- before we get to talking about exactly why you wanted to pick that song, um, might might be worth just jumping back to the very beginning of your life. You didn't you didn't get born in Australia. Where were you born? I was born in Romania mm-hmm. and um, I came here when I was four. So you don't have very strong memories of Romania? I literally have three memories. What like, are they? Yeah, um, <laughs> one's holding my grandmother's hand. Um, and I tried to speak to my mother about it and I think it was when we were at the airport. Um, the smell of, um, concrete, um, Mm. and the smell of, um, uh, chlorine in the water. Really? So yeah, it's literally three. Just so tangible. Yeah. Um, and, um, so yes, I left, um, when I was four and, um, 
Uh, I think we came into Melbourne in Springwood or Springvale. I can't even remember. Yeah, and then um, and then moved to Cabramatta in uh, about a year after that. So by the time I was five, I grew up in Cabramatta. Awesome. Was there a big Romanian community in Cabramatta? Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, I think that's um, why my dad sort of gravitated towards that that area. And um, there was uh, lots of interesting characters, but in in, um, Cabramatta, there was more of the criminals. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Romanians had a reputation of being the criminals in Cabramatta back then, early 80s. So it seemed like there's a lot of Romanian people who came to Australia, particularly, you know, during the reign of a certain dictator i guess in in romania nicolae ceausescu is that what is that exactly why your family came over yeah yeah my dad um did everything he could to get out and um he tried a few times um to get out and he actually got shot one of the times when he tried to escape um by whom um by the border police when he he actually made it to the other side and got shot on the other side he's got the bullet wound through through his stomach he's got this wow big caved in hole. But, so it's yeah. clearly like a very oppressive regime if you're going to get shot as a countryman leaving the country. Yeah. Um, it was kind of pretty rigidly Stalinist. What kind of what kind of things were you fleeing there? Just the oppression of information or suppression of information? Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my dad fleed particularly because um, uh, he was, um, he had a plastics manufacturing business and he was, um, uh, he built it up himself and he, we became quite wealthy. Um, now the problem is you can't really be wealthy in a communist, communist country, <laughs> um, yeah. and he hated that. And um, he he would make um, dodgy deals on the side and stuff. Um, but he because he was such a good um, uh, business well not businessman like actual engineer. Uh, he could do things that other people couldn't like um, particular plastics over other materials. So mm-hmm. he had army contracts and stuff like that. And um, but there was a lot of contracts that he wouldn't tell the co-op about because you had to go through a cooperative so you could share your profits so um yeah and then the secret police would come to our place and stuff this was all stories from mum because like it's really hard to also assess what's truth or not because dad both mum and dad were a bit um affected by that regime and yeah so you kind of inherit that paranoia yeah, living under a communist regime. Absolutely. So mum, mum was paranoid, and dad sort of became this sort of um, he would lie about strange things, and you wouldn't know why he was lying about those. But that was a symptom of the secret police because you mm. had to hide everything from them. Yeah. You had to put them off the trail, and even to people that you know, because you can be dogged in, I guess. Well, that's how that's how they tracked people down and found stuff out. It was through social circles. They wouldn't. Um, their, their method of control wasn't like sort of tracking what you do business-wise or whatever that um it was through your social circle so um so you would never tell your neighbors or your friends that you're going to a wedding or whatever because you know there might be someone at that wedding that wasn't favored by the communist uh, regime and then you'd be implicated implicated by association so um which is really interesting i find it really interesting with the whole facebook thing because yeah, we we just blurt out our social behaviours, whereas there they were very precious. They were intelligence in mm. Romania. So yeah. Um. Well, I mean, lucky that your parents fled to Australia, but then they fled to Cabramatta, which yeah. posed its own problems for you. So <laughs> let's let's talk about that time in your life, and that's kind of why you bought on that NWA song. So yeah. what kind of time were you listening to? Um, Fuck the police by yeah. NWA. So yeah, so when I was growing up, um, uh, you know, you have your normal friends, whatever, and then. 
um, he's just hanging out and stuff. And because the um, the place was essentially a little bit of a ghetto anyhow back then, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of housing commission places, or lots of low socioeconomic sort of um, uh, people there. And um, yeah, so um, so NWA sort of was picked up by my peers, and um, so we all. <laughs> You know, we all thought we were like, you know, 13-year-old gangsters or whatever. <laughs> um, and were you, were you technically in a gang or you just kind of accepted? Um, well, th- this is the thing. Um, as my friends grew up and took on this sort of, I don't know, sort of gangster culture from America and sort of married it with their own ghetto sort of life, um, you know, ghetto, I, you know, how bad can a ghetto in Australia be? But um, um, they they got deeper and deeper into crime and... Um, before I knew it, I was hanging out with people that were in really, uh, were in 5T, like the um, quite quite yeah. a serious crime gang. And that was mostly Vietnamese um, gang that's quite quite well remembered now. Yeah, and, and there was still, yeah, there were mainly Vietnamese, but there were still lo- lots of Islanders, lots of um, other nationalities, um, you know, Serbians, mm. and, yeah, um, they were accepted in there, yeah. And so they were they were quite big in trading in drugs and a fairly violent group from all reports. Yeah. Did you did you get wound up in any of that stuff? Did you find yourself kind of participating to to get by? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you kind of do. And um, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, say with the the drug thing, like everyone was everyone I was hanging out with was dealing drugs. Um, uh, I definitely, really early on, I said to myself, I would never be involved with heroin. That was a really good thing to, to see um, junkies at an early age and um, see the outcome of heroin because it's the one thing I would never yeah. um, go near or get involved with. Um, and um, But they were dealing it. And um, weed was another story. Weed was just like, oh, okay, it's nothing, you know, you just... Don't even think about it. Um, it's just expensive Panadol. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I did get involved in um, some drug dealing, mm. and um, uh, and I mean, one I, I stopped when I I freaked myself out because there was a very large um, quantity that I was um, being the middleman for, and it was um, it yeah. was was it a deal that you were in the middle of, or and then you just well, I was facilitating. Yeah. yeah. Well, I well, I I've ended up finding this. Um, <laughs> this guy, it's just kind of ridiculous thinking about it now. This guy that was kind of connected to the Italian mafia, um, which is, I know, it's like, does it even exist? I don't even know if he was lying <laughs> to me or not or whatever, but um, his threats were real when he said, if um, if I ever bring the police around there, he would kill me. Um, but whatever it is, he could get um, masses and masses of marijuana for um, very cheap. And then on the other end of things, I knew people in 5T that, were willing to pay top dollar for for it, so I just kind of facilitated that. Yeah, you middlemanning. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and when I I remember waiting waiting for the the buyer, and um, in that that was the longest fifteen minutes of my life, and it's uh, all sorts of things go through your head, and having a boot full of it, and you know you just, you don't know if cops are going to roll around mm. the corner or what. So after that, I just yeah. Got yeah. out, yeah. The money starts to lose its shine. Yeah. I actually ended up giving um, all my money that I made from that to my parents because, um, yeah, I just didn't even want anything to do with it after I did the deal. So. Fair, fair. So, I mean, apart from the, the drug side of thing with gangs, there was also just kind of generally violent times. Do you remember any real um, 
real moments growing up that things just broke out? Yeah, um, th- there's quite a few violent moments, um, but um, one of them was, was when I was doing my HSC. I was in the middle of my HSC, and there was one exam in the morning, one in the afternoon, so I thought, oh, I'll go with my mates to the local um, arcade, which was called Time Gone instead of Time Zone. But, so, <laughs> they were like, oh, we can't really afford the franchise. Let's just knock yeah. the Z off. Yeah. I remember Time Zone so well. They had the, you know, the wacky yeah. alligator thing and, and you could trade in your tokens for a prize at the end. Yeah, this was the ghetto version of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, it, and it was kind of like, it was known as one of the gang hangouts because there were lots of little gangs as well, apart from 5T. Um, and but we thought, oh, you know, we're we're okay. We know people and stuff. And um, and yeah, I was playing Street Fighter, and um, this little kid kept challenging me, and I kept beating him. And um, and then my mate um, sort of told him in a terse way, like, why are you wasting your money? Can't you see he's beating you? And then the little kid just walked away. And next minute, I just saw my mate's head get smashed against the machine, and his teeth come flying out. And I actually. Wow. Quite a visual of that, yeah. Um, and then all hell broke loose. And um, the only thing that I think saved my teeth getting knocked out or uh, anything more than a concussion, which I had, um, was because I fell between two arcade machines. So I, I, only one guy could be beating me up at, yeah. at a time, like no one else could fit in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that oh was. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like a weird, a weird way in which to be fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that was just one instance. Um, yeah, the, the, there's many more. And even with the, the 5T gang themselves, um, Again, the the time that I decided that I needed to leave this area was when um, I saw one of my mates on Australia's Most Wanted, and that freaked me out. That you're kidding. Well, what do you do? You know, I couldn't I couldn't call the police um, because that I would die <laughs> or or something bad would happen to me or my family. Um, so um, at that point, I just sort of cooled off, and mm-hmm. um, uni was the only way out as well because that was the other thing. Um, they did respect um, university, the those guys. So it's not like you were. It's interesting dissing them or anything. Yeah. You're just following your own life. You just yeah. So. Yeah, it's not moving two suburbs away and being like, no, I'm not part of this, but I'm still just living life. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I mean, and there was one of one of your friends was in Five T, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good bloke. Um. <laughs> strangely, yes. The higher the higher you went up the food chain, the the nicer they actually were. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So they're not they're not kind of the thugs, the kind of henchmen. They kind of you know got some brains, I guess. Is yeah. That, is that a weird yeah. thing to say no, about no, gangs? That's exactly. You're on the money there. Um, uh, my my mate was um, uh, that was in it. Uh, he was quite nice, but still had a bit of um, violence in him. Um, but the guy above him, there was never any violence. It, it was always um he would quietly threaten people and that became freakier for people mm. he was just like you know you don't come back here with this sort of thing or you know and yeah and people would just listen it was um but it's, like, it's like your mum saying i'm not angry i'm disappointed yeah, it's kind yeah. of just that <laughs> that subtle pressure well it's interesting you you, you say because that's what they were they were all these lost kids without really a family and they kind of created their own family mm. um and i say kids but you know they weren't all kids it was yeah um but yeah, uh, they kind of created their own little family, and they had their own little rules and ethics. It was kind of it was strange, but yeah, it was just um, it was really paranoid too because you don't know when they're going to turn on you. 
you don't know at what point they're going to think that you did something um, and there's no talking them out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a track to take by Veruca Salt, which is just a great name for a band, yeah. <laughs> for starters. And uh, it's called Seether. Why do you want to bring this song on? Um, this was kind of... Um, so when I left Cabramatta, I kind of did a whole, you know, you reinvent your life. You just, you're out, you know, everything you've ever liked before, you just completely change. So. Like Stefan Popescu? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so um, uh, I think uh, that because that sort of gangster rap stuff was so associated to that part of my life, like I just went and you go to uni and, you know, you start getting into rock and whatever not. So that's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you belong. So Veruca Salt, Seether on FBI 94.5. Out of the box is the show you're listening to. My guest today is Stefan Popescu. He's the uh, co-director of the Sydney Underground Film Festival. Yeah. 
Well, there you go. It's Veruca Salt. On FBI 94.5, yes, Out of the Box is the show that you're listening to. And my guest today is Stefan Popescu. And that song's from a time where he uh, left Capamata for the city, started studying again. And what did you first go into studying? Um, I went straight into visual arts and into painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then I think it was my second year I went into um, film. Uh, and it was kind of happened as a joke because we were kind of a bit miffed at our lecturers so we're made and eyes like like oh let's just get take a episode of neighbors and redub it and see if that they'll accept that <laughs> as painting if they'll accept anything Did they so, accept it as a painting we've got really good marks actually <laughs> <laughs> when you say you overdub neighbors is it meant meant to actually sound like neighbors or were you just kind of no, making a horrific overdub it was horrific and ridiculous and yeah we just changed <laughs> the storyline to just really dumb shit things so you were the, like the original bad lip reading yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, actually, more um, Doodleburger. That's why mm. when we found Doodleburger redubbing um, uh, Home and Away, we're like, oh my God, that's what we wanted to do back in uni. Yeah, so it's, it's awesome. Very, yeah. And but before you kind of you know abandoned your artistic pursuits, well, not entirely, um, you did make an interesting little something something zombie chair. Oh right! I, I need I need to know more about this zombie chair. How Sorry, does one yeah. make a zombie chair? Yeah, that was that was actually. Um, when was that? That that was later on uh, okay. the zombie chair. But um, what it was is we'd shot this zombie film uh, um up in the depths of the Canadian Arctic, and um, uh, we had to learn special effects because there was only really two of us making this film with a handful of other people helping us. So uh, I learned all these special effects, and um, uh, and then I kind of realised that oh wow, like maybe I could move that into the art realm and do these sculptures so i created these mold sculptures that so that's how they zombify they just mold them yeah so um <clears throat> i would create like a layer of um flesh um that goes over these this chair or furniture and um uh and i pour fake blood all over it <clears throat> sorry excuse me i pour fa- fake blood all over it and then what happens uh it starts to mold up so it starts to get a crust of green mold on it. Gross. And so is it like the fake blood got kind of I don't know, like organic stuff in it that just goes gross. Yeah, the the, the flesh is this organic stuff that starts to rot and uh, and then it starts to fall off like a, a rotting zombie and underneath is all red and on top is green, so it looks like a zombie. That's yeah. sick. <laughs> um, yeah, they always. Uh, I did two sculptures like that, in um, one at Sydney College of the Arts Gallery and one at Verge Gallery at um, main campus. Yeah. And, um, and and when do you know it's a uh, it's done with its rotting? Yeah, <laughs> when it got shut down um, for being a biohazard. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because both um, both gallery managers were like, "Oh, that's a great idea. That's awesome. It's fantastic. We haven't had anything like this." And then when you do it and like there's mold spores everywhere and people are like that smells funny <laughs> this is actually disgusting yeah. and it gets um yeah and, and um and i knew it was going to get shut down but um i i was fine with that um <laughs> so i i just said to him as long as you get a scientist to do a report uh, that it is a biohazard and so that was my trade-off so i can have that as a record of the exhibition that's awesome yeah. <laughs> Oh, very impressive idea. So, you know, you were you were studying for a while and you've actually moved into academia. You've been teaching for 15 years now? How, how long? Um, 13, to be exact. Yeah, yeah um, 13 years. So, um, And film exclusively? Um, 
uh, film and meteor arts, but really film in the realm of art, I think, mm-hmm. or that crossover point between film and art, yeah. Okay, so experimental film, which yeah. kind of points a big finger at your role as co-director of Sydney Underground Film Festival, obviously. How do you teach people to be experimental with film, though? I feel like, wouldn't that be part of what you're trying to do? Well, you kind of, um, I think to teach that sort of um, uh, between sort of art and film, you kind of need to know both. Mm. So you need to know conventional stuff. So I do teach, like at Sydney Film School as well, like just straight out conventional filmmaking. Um, But um, so, yeah, you kind of need to know filmmaking, need to know the rules and then how to break them. And, And of course, look at a tradition of, video art and installation and um, and other experimental filmmakers and really just um, sort of play with those rules and bend them and, yeah. So you're a bit of a Portishead fan. We've of got... Portishead, yeah. We've got a song called Mr. Ron's to play next. Why do you want to bring this one on? Um, this one was... Um, it's quite memorable because I guess it was um, uh, my first international hookup I guess when I was um, <laughs> when I was uh, on exchange in Canada um, and yeah hooked up with this Canadian girl and she introduced me to Portishead so that's why it sort of stuck in my memory. Cute. All right here we go Portishead on FBI 94.5. You're listening to Out of the Box. My name is Ash Bernabez and Stefan Popescu is my guest today. <laughs>
bit of Porter's Head on your radio. On FBI 94.5, out of the box is a show you're tuned into. Stefan Popescu is my guest, and he brought that one in. It's called Mr. Ons. And uh, a moment ago, we're talking a little bit about academia. Not very much, though, so it might be worth talking a little bit more about what your interests are in academia, Stefan. They're not, they're not kind of very uh, collared shirty stuff. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. I don't know how else to. So what what kind of research interests have you been following up lately? Um, recently it's been um, more about the hyperreal. So, of course, it, it's always got to do with film and, and stuff, but I, I really like um, the concept of the hyperreal. And um, and and uh, so the hyperreal, just for people who don't know about it, is kind of like looking at a Christmas tree, and it looks like a Christmas tree, but it's actually made of plastic, and you come come to a point where you can't actually distinguish the two. Is that like a vaguely yeah? I, 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 the best um, description I've ever heard was um, more real than real. So when something's um, more real than real, like how is that possible? Like you know, a footy watching a footy match on TV, um, you see the sweat on their forehead and whatever. Not if you're at a footy match at a um, stadium, you wouldn't see that. So, so things that are too augmented. Yeah, maybe. that 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 um, facilitates the um, reality so much so that it becomes hyper real. Um, um, uh, to or um, stuff where you just can't. It's so much of a lie that it's true. Um, Can you give me an example? I mean, maybe in film it would be an easier way. Yeah. To... Um, uh, Exit through the gift shop is a great example. Okay. The Banksy film. Yeah, and, and I guess maybe another one would be the Joaquin Phoenix film. Exactly. I'm still there. I'm still there. Yeah. I had no I, I couldn't figure out, like, is this guy just batshit crazy or is, yeah. is are we all being had? Well, and then, I actually wrote a paper on both those films oh, that, about yeah, hyper-real narratives that, that all – there's no such – I mean, it's just stories. That's all there is. Like, you know, we try and pin truth or – lies to it or whatever but it's just yeah there's a hierarchy of truth i guess and and like how true is a celebrity anyhow do you know what i mean like that and that's what he was trying to do with that film um because yeah um the the idea of celebrity is not real but we treat them like they are real and they affect our lives like they are real so they're just stories really um so it's just about how stories affect everything it's really interesting um i guess what other kind of things feed into your weird interests. I feel like, um, especially when it comes to film, which is a huge part of your life, there's this kind of um, things things that are real because they're bad, or you know they're they're good because they're bad. I guess like a really obvious example would be a movie like The Room. The Room, like, yeah. You tell me apart, Lisa. That room. So, well, that's. I mean, he's a hyper real character. Like, I mean. Really, you don't watch the room because of the film. You watch the room because Tommy Wiseau made it, and he's the real character of he's, he's and that's the whole point. Yeah, so, and he's kind um, of he's beyond belief, but totally well. No one, no one, yeah, no one knows what he is. He's the ultimate um, hyper real transmedia character. You know what I mean? Like he's it's it's like he's so stupid that he's genius. You know, he, mm. he created this mythology around himself that sells the film. You know, and for people who haven't actually seen The Room or might not know a bit about The Room, can you kind of just spitball a little bit? What is The Room it, and, and how do people enjoy The Room if it's not actually a good film? So quotes? Um, it's a film you um, gather together as a, a group. Yes, it has to be in a group and you just mock it. Um, so, <laughs> and um, so, so I guess you can say it's a little bit sort of... Um, uh, 
got some negative energy, but it's not. It's um, it facilitates the community of of cinema going and um, and you basically you know you're yelling at the screen, you're throwing stuff at the screen, um, you're reacting to the characters. So it's actually very active spectatorship. It's mm. um. Uh, like I was saying, it's it's like so stupid that it's genius. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the script writing as well is kind of just like unbelievable. It's like, oh hey, how's your how's your sex life? It's like that yeah, that wouldn't yeah. happen in real life, but oh, yeah, it's just <laughs> and it's pulled it, off so poorly. And the editing, the acting, everything shocking. The sets, the <laughs> it's sets. like you can see it's a painted background and. Yeah, it's um, just atrocious on all levels. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If you haven't seen the room, highly recommend watching it. But don't don't watch it alone because you'd be like, "What is yeah, real?" You'll just, yeah, you'll <laughs> just and you'll just think it's bad, and that's it. But yeah, if you if you're encouraged by your peers to mock it, then you'll enjoy yeah. it. It seems like you're kind of a, a big believer in the idea that there's there's lots of value in watching messed up stuff. Can you kind of, I mean, especially as a as a curator of many films for a film festival, why do you think it's important or like maybe valuable to watch messed up films, or you know, particularly even looking at horror and and kind of like pornographic stuff? Why would that be valuable? Um, I think it, it challenges you. I think films that you react to says more about you than the film. If that makes sense, so it's it's a way to um, understand yourself and understand what's happening within you, but also to aid um, discussion, um, to intellectualize those things that you've just experienced. Um, yeah, I found that upsetting, but now we have to actually understand why. Like, yeah. what are what are the ethics behind this? Why is this visceral? Well, one one of the films that I've um, like absolutely found atrocious was Bum Fights. Bumfights, <laughs> best name for a film ever. <laughs> um, it was literally these guys paying bums to fight each other, and that's all of. Wow, film that is was. woeful. It's... I was thinking about actual butts. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather watch the film yeah. that I was imagining, because <laughs> that sounds awful, truly awful. Oh, it was the most unethical. Well, I'm sure there's more unethical ones that I've seen, but um, that was really horrific for me at the time, and. Um, uh, yeah, and I screened it at Sydney College of the Arts, um, and I remember people going, why would you screen that? Why would you facilitate that? And it was already out on the internet. Everyone was watching it. Everyone was talking about it. So it's not like you could stop people watching it. So Yeah, there's I, no p- purpose of censoring it. Yeah, so the only value that I saw was, because I reacted exactly like everyone else did, um, was to aid a discussion around it. Um, and then you kind of convert this mm-hmm. really horrible thing into... Um, Maybe uh, yeah, de- deconstructing the ethics of it, or the yeah, um, yeah, or what we value as a society, and yeah, what we're reacting to, and and just the general question of why are things perverse? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for Sydney Film, Sydney Underground Film Festival, not Sydney Film Festival, very different things, very different audiences. We're, I we're assume. friends. <laughs> oh, actually, <laughs> you guys are okay with each other? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are. Um, we share audiences and stuff, so yeah, it's all good. Will there be any particularly confronting stuff this year? I mean, like, that's probably a stupid question. What kind of confronting stuff do you have this year? Yeah. <laughs> well, you got Gaspar Noé's Love, which is um, 3D... Well, a lot of people describe it as 3D porn, but um, I can tell you it's not that because it's contextualised porn. Um, okay, so yeah. you think the porn has to be devoid of context to be porn? Yeah, well, I think so. Um, and I think that's how um, you'd get it censored too, if it was just pornography and nothing else, no context to it, then, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
would be censored. So so there's definitely that one, and um, it's definitely Gaspar Noé style. Um, definitely delivers on that. Um, but also we've got that um, prison system four one four six one or something. Um, it's about a, it's a prison that people. Um, it's a private prison that people check themselves into, um, so they can be tortured. Wow! Yeah, and that's the thing that happened in the world. It's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> and they pay for it. They pay really good money. This, for this it. isn't fiction. At no, all. I know this is a documentary. It's a G- German thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just like, wow, it's a good business. I should get into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah, it's got to be some sort of weird truth in that. You know, it has to show you something about people. Yeah. Some people, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a fascinating documentary. I just, um, I'm still dumbfounded by it, but yeah. Have you had any films that you've screened in the past at Sydney Underground Film Festival that had kind of a almost an adverse reaction or like a, a, yes. a reaction that was almost in measure to the viscerality of the actual film? Oh, <clears throat> two films. Um, uh, Trash Humpers. Trash Humpers. <laughs> <laughs> At least they named them well. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they're terrible, you know, content. Um, that was by Harmony Corinne. Um, he wrote Kids and um, uh, he did, um, yeah, uh, Mr. Lonely. and But anyhow, um, yeah, it was quite popular and he sold out. Like, I mean, the whole the whole cinema was sold out and, um, and then half the audience walked out. <laughs> um, because he, he tried to make this... Um, almost like um film as an artifact it was he he if he had his way he that film would have been found on street corners on a vhs tape and people would put it in and go what's this and just watch these old people doing weird stuff and so yeah that caused a really adverse reaction in our audience um but the other one was um um wetlands um which was i think it was was last year's yeah last year's closing night film Mm -hmm. You know, right at, you know, we had our party, closing night party, ready to go downstairs and everything, and it was the emotional climax of the film. And I think she, like, breaks her stitches in her anus open on the side of the bed at the emotional peak of the film. And so this blood comes out and stuff. And uh, I've never seen this before, but three people passed out in the screening. Three um, people passed out. Yeah, it, wow. it, was, it was like a domino effect. There was one that passed out and then one went to help her and he passed out on the way. And I, I thought the zombie apocalypse was happening or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, some other person passed out in the back. So, yeah. In other words, go to Sydney Underground Film Festival <laughs> this year. You never know what you might find or how you might find it. It's always interesting. <laughs> it's, it's an experience. Well, um, you know, back to that idea before of, of things that are so bad they're good. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong here and you're a genuine fan of Little Debbie, but w- what's up with Ratchets by Little Debbie and why do you want to bring this song in Out of the Box? Um, a friend of mine um, showed me this uh, on Facebook and I was just like, what is this? Is this real? Like, is she, yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't work out if it was real or not, but, and that's what made me love it. So, yeah. All right, here you go, little Debbie. If you feel so inclined, check out the video, I suppose. It's it's pretty filth. And out of the box. Language warning on this one, huge one. I got bitches, you got bitches, tell them bitches come over. If they ratchet, let's get ratchet, pick them up in that room. I got ratchets in my living room till six in the morning. 
them bitches. Coke lines, no soft drinks. Ben Franks, that green dank. Wet pussy, pink paint. Bitches in my crib, I got these ratchets in my mousetrap. I pulled up in that Rover, that dark tint, all black. Yep, I got him saying, Debbie, you the fucking baddest. Cause I be smoking on that cushion like a fucking mattress. We could link up, codeine cups, bitch, drink up. We turn like teacups, cold sprite, syrup. Boss, bitch, my whip clean. Eyelashes on point, ho, bitch, Jordan Chang, go Michael. Free throws, my eyes closed. Lil' Debbie, swagging out. I'm laced out, what you talking about? Gold chain, it might save you a life. I'm leaked out when I'm walking out. Leaked out when I'm walking out. Leaked out when I'm walking out. Gold chain, it might save you a life. I'm leaked out when I'm walking out. Leaked out when I'm walking out. Leaked out when I'm walking out. Gold chain, it might save you a life. I'm leaked out when I'm walking out. I got bitches, you got bitches. Tell them bitches come over. If they ratchet, let's get ratchet. Pick them up in that rover. I, I got ratchets in my living room till six in the morning. And when I finish up this week, man, I'm sending them home. I got bitches, you got bitches. Tell them bitches come over. If they ratchet, let's get ratchet. Pick them up in that rover. I, I got ratchets in my living room till six in the morning. And when I finish up this week, man, I'm sending them home. I, I, I got some Sprite, I got some codeine. You fucked up off no drinks. White reefer, fly sneakers, tint glasses, I die deep. Hate me cause I love that. Get high with these ratchet bitches. I got that Range Rover. Dark tan, I might add some switches. That means I'm falling in these ratchets fronting like they know me. Only if I had a dick, yo, they could fucking blow me. And everything I want, I cop it like the fucking police. I'm faded like I'm Kobe weed. I smoke it by the OZs. They in my function and they smoking all of my weed. And I ain't tripping off these hoes. I pop another Molly. Don't you wish you had this green up all in my safari? They talk Lip, I turn these ratchets into calamari. I got bitches, you got bitches. Tell them bitches come over. If they ratchet, let's get ratchet. Pick them up in that rover. I got ratchets in my living room till six in the morning. And when I finish up this week, man, I'm sending them home. I got bitches, you got bitches. Tell them bitches come over. If they ratchet, let's get ratchet. Pick them up in that rover. I got ratchets in my living room till six in the morning. And when I finish up this week, man, I'm sending them home. So yeah, that was that was little Debbie. Now, you know, if you were uninitiated, that's been put in your ears. I don't know if I'm sorry or if I'm glad to have facilitated this because it's just one of those ones that you'll be like, this is awful, and then you'll get really, really into it. What yeah. about my guest today, Stefan Popescu? Thank you for bringing that in. <laughs> no, not a problem, but I kind of want to um, get onto some ratchets now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're a you're a filmmaker, but I mean, you know, when you actually look at the credits on IMDb, you'll be like both cinematographer, editor, director, and writer for. A, three feature films actually um your most recent one was vixen velvet's zombie massacre can you tell That's us a little right. bit about that and the synopsis i guess yeah so um the synopsis of that is um there's this porn star that does zombie porn <laughs> so, um, but all she really wants to do is become a normal actress um but she's kind of um bound by certain contracts and whatever not so she decides to hijack the film shoot to cut out all the sex so then to re-edit it into a normal zombie film and reshoot scenes. And um, <laughs> and so she sets about doing that, but um, what happens is that 
people in the town get some weird virus and turn into actual zombies. So then she, yeah, goes about using the town as a backdrop for her film. How does this song by Darth Vegas called Vindaloo Boogaloo feed into this, <laughs> if at all? Um, it, Good it, name for a song, though. It feeds in because Michael Lira, um, who's the um, the main member of front that dude front or dude or whatever you call it, yeah, um, um, he's Australia's Mr. Bungle, basically. Um, and um, he is really into film, and he did the whole soundtrack on our zombie film. He also did the soundtrack on the Wormwood film. Awesome. Yeah, so he's um, quite a very talented guy. So um, his his thing is being a zombie soundtrack guy. Uh, he's just the... It's okay to have a thing. <laughs> he is musically one of the most talented people I've ever seen. He can be. He can do anything, so... Um, yeah. I guess this song actually has everything, <laughs> so should we, just, should we just go straight through it? Sure. Um... Yep, Duff Vegas. Here we go on FBI 94.5. Here's an out of the box. Like I said, it has a bit of everything in it. That was uh, Vindaloo Boogaloo by Darth Vader, brought on by my guest today, Stefan Popescu. And I'm going to let you go in a second because we're getting all over lunch in a bit with Beth Dalgleish, two hours of amazing tracks back-to-back with Beth herself. But um, when we were just talking about the, um, Darth Vegas did the soundtrack for your um, film, your zombie film, Vixen Velvet's Zombie Massacre, I should say. But it seems like all of your films really take place in small towns. You have kind of this small town fetish, might I say? Yeah, I, I think at, uh, at first it was just sort of incidental, but um, like I bought an investment property in a small town, went to the small town, sort of fell in love with the landscape, the community and stuff, and then kind of um, realised that there's a lot of people in small towns that want to help you make films. So, <laughs> um, so that's kind of like... The model that we've been using for the last three films, so yeah, awesome. So, and one of one of those films was Rosebury. Um, that's right. Yeah. Do you, Do you have a property in Rosebury? I do. Yeah, yeah I have and several. So that's in Tasmania. <laughs> yeah. what, what was the kind of content of the film? Well, it was kind of like more of a brooding sort of incest horror, I guess. And people got slightly offended at the beginning that I wrote a film like that. Because they're like, oh, is that what you think of our town? <laughs> it's like, well, no, it's just the, you know, um, fiction. You're allowed to fictionalize. So yeah, um, but um, 
But I can understand being kind of upset where you're like, this is the only film made in our town, this tiny mining town, and it's showing us in this light. Years later, they really took it on, though. Like, heaps of people, like, I'll go back to that town and be like, oh, you're the dude who made that film. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, and, you know, you have a property there and you have a property in a few different places. So this is what I meant before by referring to you as kind of like a a bogan property tycoon. I I prefer Slumlord. Slumlord, okay. (laughs) But but why why do you do this? Why do you go and and kind of I guess renovate um, houses in small towns? Uh, I actually really enjoy the renovation process. Um, uh, I'm in the arts, and the arts is um, like the worst place to be if you want to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, uh, so I, I guess I see it as uh, sort of an insurance for my future and my family's future. So yeah, yeah. and I guess you can make films if you've got the money as well. So it- feeds back into that yeah and did you say did you say a moment ago that one of your properties that you know has your slum lording as you do got burnt down or something oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um uh apparently um in this area called Gagebrook or bridgewater around that area um uh, there's a really high incidence of arson and it's mainly kids that are bored uh, and <laughs> So to go, oh, empty house, I'm going to burn it down. So, yeah, uh, it got... Oh, so it wasn't them being against you being a slumlord? No, no. Um, I wish that was the case because then it would have had a tenant, would have been insured. Um, I, I, I screwed up with the insurance. But anyhow, like, whatever it was, it got burnt and I had to go and fix, like, the place. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, never caught the kids, though. <laughs> Even if they do, though, nothing, they just give them a slap on the wrist there. A lot. Of, I, I do feel for the kids in those areas, though they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Terribly understimulated, led you to do stupid yeah. things. So we've got one last track for the hour to top us off, and it is Avalanches, Frontier Psychiatrist. Thanks for bringing this on. Why'd you bring it on? Um, why do I bring it on? Because uh, I'm mad. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, oh, because it's um. Uh, I really love that whole sampley thing because they um made it out of a all samples so. It's very um, film-oriented in that way because um, sometimes you do that. I used to do found footage stuff where you just put together things that, um, sorry, um, films from footage that's not yours. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so um, musically I absolutely gelled with the avalanches. Lovely. Well, I've had a great time talking to you for the past hour. And, um, Same. Yeah, let's, let's just whack this song right on. And if you're listening to the show, you got caught the tail end, you missed a really great episode at the beginning as well. So uh, we podcast the show. You just... Go into your favourite podcast app, type in Out of the Box, click the little blue picture, that's us, subscribe. You listen to FBI, here is Frontier Psychiatrist, The Avalanches. Thanks, Stefan. Thank you. Mr. Kirk, Dexter's in school. I'm afraid he's not, Miss Fishmore. Dexter's truancy problem is way out of hand. The Baltimore County School Board have decided to expel Dexter from the entire public school system. Oh, Mr. Kirk, I'm as upset as you to learn Dexter's truancy, but surely expulsion is not the answer. I'm afraid expulsion is the only answer. It is the opinion of the entire staff that Dexter is criminally insane. Sane, sane, sane. Now, 
That boy needs therapy. Psychosomatic. That boy needs therapy. Purely psychosomatic. That boy needs therapy. You're lying down on the couch. Well, what does that mean? You're a nut. You're crazy in the coconut. What does that mean? That boy needs therapy. I'm gonna kill you. That boy needs therapy. Granny Gazoo, let's have a cheese. How will I count three? That 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 that, that boy, boy needs therapy. He was, he was white as a sheep. And he also made false teeth. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> 